Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit our website, nbcmetairie.org. Now here's this week's message. I want to share with you a, a story of something that happened to me several years ago that happened even before Carrie Ann and I had kids. Uh, it was getting to be around the time of my birthday, and, and Carrie Ann said, what would you like for your, for your birthday? She said, you know, I've, I've made a little extra money and things like that. She said, you know, really kind of think of what you would like. And one of the things that I, I wanted during that season, I said, you know, what? I'd really like a tablet. This was kind of when tablets were kind of getting uh, more and more popular. I really wasn't looking for, you know, the, the best thing on the market. I was really just looking for something because I like to read. And for me to be able to carry uh, my whole library with me on a tablet, it was just uh, really neat to me. So we had kind of talked about that back and forth. And so the day of my birthday came, she woke me up early that morning. I don't, I forget if we had breakfast or whatever. And so she said, I, I want you to come, come out into the living room. And so, uh, so we came out into the living room and I'm thinking to myself, all right, here it is. I'm about to get it. I'm thinking of all the different apps I'm going to put on. I'm thinking about the different books I'm going to download and, you know, the things I'm going to be able to do. I'm going to be able to bring it to work and be able to do all kinds of different things with it. I'm, I'm getting kind of excited. It's early in the morning. My hair's matted to my head, but we come in and, you know, we sit down on, on the couch and she hands me this little box that is like two inch by two inch. And let me just tell you, I just felt so deflated because tablets don't come in two inch by two inch boxes. And so, you know, you know when you try to fake it, like fake it till you make it. So I tried to fake it and, you know, and I said, thanks, you know, and we're opening it up. And so as I kind of get it, she is clearly seeing the expression on my face as much as I'm trying to to hide this deflated look. And as I get into it, she thought this was the funniest thing in the world because I open it up and in that two inch by two inch box is a power cord. And so she looks at me and she says, look under the sofa. And so I looked under the sofa and sure enough, there was a tablet under the sofa and she had fooled me in that moment. She had disguised the blessing, if you will. She had taken it, she had disguised, and she just thought that was the, the funniest things. And as I thought about what we're going to be talking about today, I thought about that specific example because sometimes things will happen in your life and they won't just deflate you. Sometimes things will happen in your life and they will absolutely rock you. They will rock your world. They might be the hardest things that you have ever been through. There are times that God, He will use the hardest things in your life to be the greatest blessings because He's disguising it. And then as you get into it, you don't, and you might feel deflated. You might go, God, what is going on? What is taking place? I don't recognize not by two inch box, but I don't recognize this situation. It is not going the way that I want it to go. And God says, you know what? It's okay. Even though your expectations are somewhere else, I'm here to tell you that this is a blessing in disguise. That very thing happened to the apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul, as we've been looking uh, from weeks past when we were going through Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul uh, was on a journey as as a prisoner nonetheless, but he was on a journey to Rome. God had told him that he was going to go to Rome to share the gospel, that he was going to stand before Caesar Augustus. He was being accused of all these different things. And so he was on this journey finally after being having a huge setback in the city of Caesarea for two years. Finally, he gets on the road again by boat. And so he gets on the road. And then as he's moving along, something happens for them in this season of, of the time in the, the area that they are in Palestine and uh, Rome. It was hurricane season. And the Apostle Paul looks at him and says, guys, if we're going to take this journey, we, we, we got to figure something out because this is not the time to be on the open Mediterranean. If you look up here on the screen and I've put these maps in your notes for you to be able to see, you can see that uh, you got a little map. And so you can see that he started over here on the right side of the screen or the right side of your map, whatever you're looking at. And he's gone through Caesarea and Sidon. They went over Cyprus and made a stop up there in Mira. And then they came down over here into Fair Havens. And at this point, this is when the Apostle Paul is having this conversation. He says, guys, we got to figure this out. It's not good for us to go out on the open sea. And so Fair Havens didn't have very much of a place for them to winter, for them to spend the whole winter, for them to get out of their hurricane season, if you will. And so they're going to try to make it to that other dot that you've got right there that says Phoenix. And so they're trying to make And lo and behold, Apostle Paul says, guys, it's not a good idea. We need to stop. And lo and behold, a huge wind comes off the island of Crete, pushes them into the open ocean. And before they knew it, what was supposed to be like a a one day journey began to be a two week place, the time that they are on the open ocean, completely lost, having no idea where they are we looked at as chapter 27 began to end that, that they were going to have to wreck the boat. They saw a bay, they saw a beach, and they said, you know what, let's cut the anchors, let's wreck the boat, and then we're going to make it to shore. And so he had this huge wreck that was taking place. And so everyone, all 276 people that are on the boat, God rescues, that's no small boat, and so they are all coming off, uh, they're all coming out of the ocean, and here they are coming up to the shore, and that's where we pick up in chapter 28, starting in verse 1, where it says this, and I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible this morning, it says, once safely ashore, all 276, once safely ashore, we learned that the island was called Malta, and you can see that on your map in your notes, The local people showed us extraordinary kindness and they lit a fire and took us all in since it was raining and cold. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it on the fire, look at this, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself onto his hand. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man no doubt is a murderer. So they're kind of thinking karma. Oh, he made it. He survived the shipwreck, but he must be a murderer. He must be somebody who's done something wrong because karma is now on him. No doubt he's a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice has 
not allowed him to live. But look at what happens in verse 5. But he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. Expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop dead. And after they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind. And isn't it finicky and flaky? So he's gone from a murderer to now, look at this, they changed their mind and said he was a god. Now in the area around that place was the estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. So Paul went to him and praying late, hands on him and he healed him and after this the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed so they heaped many honors on us and when we sailed they gave us what we needed sometimes we go through life's wreckage and it might not be the wreckage of a boat it might be the loss of a job It might be relationship problems. It might be the death of a dear friend or a family member. Or it might be an accident, something that has taken place. And here's what I want you to see. That even when we go through these tough times, that God can use those to be a blessing in disguise. But the problem is for us, we're wrestling We're wrestling because we can't see the future the way God sees the future. We can't see the overarching picture the way that God sees it. And so I want you to see this morning, perhaps if you've got your notes, maybe just write a jot a couple of these things down. But I really want us to take this to heart. When your life feels wrecked, despite what that might be, remember, remember this, that God, number one, is still in control. He's still in control. He is still on His throne. He is not wringing His hands. He still cares about you. He still loves you. He hasn't given up on you. But nevertheless, our faith is in the God of the universe. He is still in control. Now, this is where things get interesting. If you go back to verse 3, I want you to see, as Paul was gathering the bundle of brushwood, put it on the fire, look at this, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself onto his hand. Great. What else could go wrong? I mean, if being on the open sea for two weeks and being shipwrecked and coming up on the sea and being cold and wet wasn't enough. I mean, what else could go wrong? He gets on the beach from the shipwreck after that two weeks. Oh, and to add insult to injury, a poisonous snake bites him. Really? What else? Have you ever been through those moments in your life? You're like, what else? What could happen? Maybe that you've even gotten to the place where you're so frustrated. You're like, come on, bring it on. Bring it on. What else could happen? Adding that insult to injury. But notice what happens with the snake. Nothing. Nothing happens. He doesn't get sick. He doesn't die. God allowed him to go through the shipwreck. I think a lot of times that we're thinking to ourselves, okay, God, you didn't allow anything to happen with with the snake bites of life, but man, why couldn't you have taken care of that shipwreck for me? It's because we don't see with the same eyes that he sees for our lives. See, God wasn't done with Paul yet. 
God had already told him, you're going to Rome. And somebody in here needs to hear this today. Somebody needs to hear that God has a plan for your life too. And not to let the detour make you lose your faith. And when the times come, that you've gone from one trial and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've studied this. I go from one trial and then there's a mountaintop and then I can go down into another trial. No, no, no. Sometimes in your life, the trials are back to back. Sometimes the snake bite comes after the shipwreck. And nevertheless, when insult gets added to injury, when the snake bites of life are added to the shipwrecks of life, don't lose your faith. God is still in control because God used the wreck to get Paul to the island of Malta, a place that he was never supposed to go in the first place. And he used the snake bite, think about it this way, to get the people's attention as if 276 guys coming out of the ocean wasn't big enough, but to get their attention that there's something different about this one. And that attention would have never happened on its own if the snake hadn't come out. You might jot down this reference. Many of you probably know it by heart, but Romans 8 verse 28. Verses many of us know because we've applied it to so many situations but it says this, we know that all things, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Painful things work together for the good of those who love God. Triumphant things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called, look at this, according to His purpose. That's good. When you are living your life, and maybe you can't see the end result, but when you are living your life and say, God, use me for your purpose, even if the detours happen, but if you will use me for your purpose, even in your pain, even in the trials, God will move in your life and he will be in control because he uses all things to work together for good. So, so you mean that God is still in control when the doctor says cancer? Yes, He is still in control. You, you, you mean that, that, that God is in control when the job falls apart and I have to move away in order to, to, to be able to, to finance my family and be able to do things? Yes, God is in control. You mean God is in control when, when there's infertility and I can't have a baby? Yes, God is still in control. You mean God is in control? You fill in the blank. Yes, God is still in control no matter your situation. And if you know Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Him as, as your Savior, if you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins and you have given your life to Him, you have a purpose. And the Bible says that all things work together for good. So you and I, we have a decision to make. And that decision is, are we going to let our feelings dictate what we believe? 
Are we going to let the truth of God's word dictate what we believe? I don't know about you, but I'm putting, I am banking everything on the rock solid truth of God's word. Because when I bank on the truth of God's word, I'm banking on God himself. God is still in control when things fall through and when there's insult added to injury. The second thing that I want you to write down this morning in the midst of what we see here based on Paul's experience is that when life feels wrecked, remember that God wants to use you. Don't forget, sometimes we get so much in survival mode. Sometimes we get so much in, okay, I've, I've got I've to hold everything together that we forget, we, forgot, we forget to just pause for a minute and say, okay, God, how do you want to use this situation? How do, you wanna, how do you want me to think outside myself? How do you want to use me for someone else? Look at verses 8 and 9. So they're on the island, snake, whole situation. And then in verse 8 and 9, we, we get a situation that never would have happened had they not gotten wrecked. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. So Paul went to him and prayed, lay his hands on him. Look at this. He healed him him that never would have happened if the wreck hadn't happened it never would have happened if the attention hadn't been put on paul because of the snake so he goes and he prays for him and he heals him and then look at this verse 9 after this the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed this is huge because many times God will allow you to go through the storm and shipwrecks of life because he can see the future and he will use you to bring about healing in other people's lives. I struggled this week when I was reading through this to go, which example, God, do you want me to use of this in my life? Which example of when I felt like everything was shipwrecked that God, you came through and that you use this for someone else. We have some friends. I mentioned infertility earlier. We have some friends, many friends. I've got several different couples in my life who have struggled with this. I probably have five, six different families who have struggled. And, and they, they've gone to the doctors and they said, God, how, how, how can you not allow us to have, have children? And then, as if that wasn't the shipwreck enough as it is, they said, okay, God, there's this moment of surrender. And they say, okay, God, however you want to use this. And so they began to adopt. And they began to bring people into their family. And before you know it, lives are changed in the midst of the turmoil. Lives are changed. I think about that. I think about when I was in the fourth grade. Go all the way back, fourth grade, 10 years old. My family moved to another state. I started a new school, started a new church. I don't know what's harder, starting a new, new school or starting a new church. They're both pretty hard. So if you're here for the first time today, thank you for your courage to be able to come to a new church. It's tough sometimes. So started a new school and church, and in the midst of that time in the fourth grade, I was bullied, which led to some of the worst depression I have ever dealt with in my life. 10 years old. And while that shipwreck of my life, I would never wish that experience on anybody. Anybody that's ever dealt with depression, it's horrible. 
It is horrible. It is a tunnel that you feel like you're never going to get out of. And in the fog of loneliness and depression, that was one of the worst things I have ever been through. But can I share something with you? I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take it back. Because from that moment, and in the midst of that darkness, God used that situation to teach me how to care for others. What's your situation? Maybe it's anxiety. What's your situation? Maybe it's a broken relationship. I don't know what it is this morning, but God wants to use that in the midst of your life because He's wanting to use you. And because that taught me I would walk into social settings and immediately I wouldn't be drawn to the most popular person there. I'd be drawn to the quiet person, to the person that no one is talking to because I remembered in those days how badly I just wanted one person to be friendly to me. And so God used that in my life. He used that shipwreck in my life to be a catalyst for someone else. And I can't tell you that I would be in ministry today if that hadn't happened all those years ago. Who knows? I may have never become a minister if that hadn't happened. God wanted to use me. But He had to open my eyes. He had to allow me to go through hard things where I never would have seen the world otherwise if I hadn't gone through those. And while I wasn't like the Apostle Paul that touched people and healed them physically on the spot, but God has used my words and my empathy to speak life into people. And this is all throughout the Scriptures. One place that I just want you to see is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Put it up here so you can look at it. You might jot down the reference to this one too. Look at this. It says, He, talking about God, comforts us in all of our affliction. When you go through the painful times, God's comfort comes upon you. It says that He comforts us in our affliction. Look at this. So that you can keep it to yourself and go, oh, thank you so much, God. You got me through the situation. No. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. You just don't go through the shipwrecks of life so that you can learn and be wiser on the other side to be more mature in your faith, although that's part of it. You go through those times because God is looking to send you and to send me to someone else. The same way He did with Paul on the island of Malta. And through the comfort we, we ourselves receive from God. So the comfort that God gives us, we give that away. Your shipwreck might be a blessing in disguise and not for you. The blessing may not be for you and you need to be okay with that. Sometimes when you go through those hard times in life and you go, okay, I'm trying to see the silver lining in this. The silver lining might not be for you, but it's for someone else. And for us to be reminded that, that there are times that we go through these struggles and it was never about you in the first place. There are many times that God will allow you to go through the wrecks and the bites because He needs you too in order to help someone in your path. Isn't this a story of so many Bible characters. Abraham, 
I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to sacrifice him. And because he was willing to give up and by faith to being willing to sacrifice his son, that he became, so he was part of God's chosen people and the nation was blessed because of Abraham's faith. Abraham. Story of Joseph. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. What God meant for evil, or what, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. So he goes into slavery, and then he's sold to Potiphar, and then later on, he's in jail. All of these things begin to collapse. All of these shipwrecks begin to happen in his life. And nevertheless, God uses him to save the nation of Egypt when there's a drought coming. What about the story of Moses? He wasn't in a shipwreck, but he was abandoned to the river as a baby. And God raised him up to lead the nation. And I know how hard this can be. And in those moments, we can talk about this objectively from the outside all day long, but in the moment, we won't understand. Many times, all you do is you feel the pain, but God will use that situation in your life to bless someone else if you will let Him. Now, there's one temptation that I think we should talk about. There are many times that, that Satan's going to whisper in your ear, and usually it's through the pain, and it says, blame God. Don't blame God. Trust God. Trust God through it all. And that brings us to our last thing. When you go, when your life feels wrecked, remember, remember that God not only wants to use you for someone else, but God wants to bless you too. He wants to bless you too. Philippians 4 verse 19 says this, it says, my God and my God will supply, look at this, all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Look with me in verse 10 of Acts chapter 28, verse 10, the very last verse that we saw. So he's helping all these folks. And then in verse 10, it says, so when they heaped many honors on us, and when we sailed, look at this, they gave us what we needed. You know why they needed all these things? Because they had thrown all the cargo off the boat previously, trying to, to survive. They had nothing, maybe just the clothes on their back. And God used that, and He gave them what they needed. Now, here's, here's what I'm, I'm saying. This is not some health, wealth, prosperity gospel where God's going to give you everything that your heart desires, okay? But it is where God gives you what you need, that in the midst of your trial, in the midst of the shipwreck, hear this, God is going to take care of you. And when you go through the shipwreck, that you understand He is in control. He wants to use you. He's going to take care of you. And sometimes God provides for you physically, Sometimes God provides for you emotionally. Sometimes He provides for you spiritually. When you and I, when we're faithful to the will of God, 
We say, God, I want to walk in your will, no matter what it is. You told the Apostle Paul that he was going to Rome. You're going to take him to Rome. No matter what the detour looks like, I am trusting you that you are going to be faithful. There have been times in my life that I said, God, I'm surrendered to your will. I came to New Orleans with no job, no job to start school with no money. Thank God I had a wife who was working at that time. You know, I had a sugar mama, all right? But I had no job. But the the finances were tight. And things began to happen. And I said, look, the bills are coming in, God. And God provided a job. But even then, the bills still began to come in. I said, I don't know what I'm going to have to do. Maybe I take out a loan, maybe not. There were times that God provided in miraculous ways. There were times that I got a $900 check from a job that I had quit two years ago, and I don't even know how they got my address. He provided for my need. He didn't give me everything I wanted, but He provided for my need. He gave me a scholarship. When you decide, I'm going to walk in the will of God. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect. I want you to hear that. He takes care of your need. And ultimately, the greatest way that He takes care and that He provides for us is what these songs that we have been singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, He is a promise keeper in our lives. But ultimately, the greatest way that God provides for you and for me is through His sacrifice on the cross. When you and I were sinners, you and I had no way of getting to heaven. You and I had no way of washing away the things the, the things that we have done, the shameful things. And God comes on the scene and He provides away His one and only Son so that if whoever believes in Him, that we won't perish, but that we'll have eternal life. But we have to surrender to Him. All of this, everything that we've talked about today has to do with surrender. So we finished this morning. It reminds me of a story that I read recently of a lifeguard. There's a lifeguard on the beach. I don't know if you're a beach bum, if you like to go on vacation on the mountains or you know, if you like to go to theme parks. For myself, just give me a beach. Just give me a beach. That's all I want. But sometimes you go out to the beach and and the, the flags are, are red, and you're not supposed to go down in the water. Well, on one particular day, the flags were red, and there was a particularly uh, large man who wanted to go out, and he still wanted to swim on his vacation, and so the lifeguard is up there, and so as he gets out in the water, the undertow begins to come, and he begins to call for help. Well, the lifeguard immediately springs into action, and he swims out to where this man is, and in as he's getting closer to the man, he realizes that he's a little bit bigger of a guy, but he also realizes that there is a dilemma. This man, even though he's calling for help, is still trying to save himself. And he's thrashing, and he's doing all of these different things, trying to save himself. And he's swinging wildly and he's against the water and he's draining all of his energy. And you know what the lifeguard did? He just stayed about three feet away because there's nothing he could do while the man was still thrashing. There's nothing he could do while the man was still trying to save himself in his own works. And finally, 
as you can imagine, he finally just gets tired and he surrenders. And that's when the lifeguard was able to swim in and save him. There's areas of your life and my life where the trials come and God is waiting for you to surrender to him. That trial is a blessing in the skies. And maybe that you've been here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Dan, I hear you loud and clear. I've got so many things in my life that I am trying to save myself, but the most important thing I haven't taken a focus in on and that I need to be saved from my sin. And hear this loud and clear. Jesus can't save you while you're trying to save yourself. It doesn't work that way. Only when you surrender to Him only when you put your faith and your trust in what He did on the cross. Not in your good works. Not in trying to be a, a, a good person. Not in trying to be a moral person. Not trying to fix everything that's gone wrong in your life. It's when you surrender to Him that that's when He saves you. And maybe everything that you are going through in this life, everything that has brought you to this one point has been a blessing in disguise because the God of the universe loves you and he wants to fix your greatest problem, which is to save your soul.